Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe, coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. Welcome to December 22nd, Tuesday night edition of The Crew. I am your host, Dylan Allen, alongside Brant Wolf on the Opal One. How you doing, Brant? Uh, I'm doing good. Again, this is my second crew in a row now where we've uh, had a couple missing members. I, I, Chris and, and Shamid are gone, so used to this. I did it last week, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk, a lot to talk about. That is uh, very accurate there, Brent. There is a lot to unpack tonight. And, you know, what other, what better way to start tonight than to talk about Rutgers basketball and their big win over Illinois fighting Illini this past Sunday? Oh, what a game, man. That, that, uh, we watched the whole thing. It, it was, even though you can't recreate the Rack's energy ever, it was as close as it could be with me and my friends here at the house who are all screaming at the TV. Um, I remember saying, uh, I mean, we're obviously going to talk about the game a lot, but one thing that I remember from a lot was uh, about at halftime, I was saying that, you know, Ron Harper's been playing well. He's playing well, but he was due for an explosion. Like, we got to see more from him in the second half. Went out there and just let it go. It was it was amazing. This guy's becoming a sharpshooter right before our eyes. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree there, Brant. When, uh, when I was doing uh, the halftime show with Christian Vasquez on Sunday in studio, we were all talking about how, Ron Harper had to really step it up in the first half as he only had six points, or he had to step it up in the second half as he only had six points in going into halftime, and we were only yeah. down, what was it, four points? So, yeah. Yeah, so I, it, we knew that Rutgers could, could pull this one out. You know, it, it just, Ron Harper had to kind of step it up, and he did. He finished with 28 points, so 22 points uh, in the second half alone. Um, a pretty good feat, if you ask me, but I think you're right. I think Ron Harper was like the spark plug that Rutgers needed to kind of just get their thing going, uh, like get back on track. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, no, it was just, I, yeah. I, I thought it was, I thought it was Ron. I, I mean, G, Gio played well. Uh, Jacob Young also had a, had a really good game. We could talk about him too, but right now we're, we're on Ron, but but Ron, I don't know. From what I've seen this year from him, his his shooting has gotten way better. That that that's one of the the best things that I've seen the last three games now, and every game that I've called so far, he he's had either I think it's four for seven one night from behind three. The last night, I mean last night, last night yesterday, it was uh it was fi- it was uh five for eight from three. He, I mean, he, he's been going crazy from beyond the arc. I think that's where his games, to me right now, obviously his games improved in many facets, but that is one thing that's been really eye-opening. Oh, for sure. And uh, that, that's definitely the one one of the areas of concern for Rutgers, uh, the three-point ball. You know, it's really not what we, what we rely on nor what we really use in our game plan. It's mostly just, you know, hard bas- hard-nosed basketball, down low in the paint, getting those rebounds, second-chance opportunity points, and all that kind of stuff. But if you have a guy like Harper, who you pointed out, can shoot the three-ball and has been consistently this whole year, um, you know, it's definitely going to be a tougher team to play against defensively if you can if you can have a guy like that who's pretty reliable from the three-point line. Um, but another, uh, another thing, though, the, the free-throw issue continues to be a common theme for Rutgers, although... They did shoot like 35 free throws in this game. They only made 25, so they were just a bit under 70% from the line as a team. 
Um, so it, that department definitely has to improve if Rutgers really wants to hang in with some of these top teams, I think. So, yeah, I mean, free throws are, are obviously going to be a worry, but something that I, I like to see, well, I, I did and didn't like to see was, first of all, Rutgers scoring a ridiculous amount of points on this Illinois team on the road was was one thing that I, that I really liked. Another thing, though, that, that kind of scared me was there was about five times down the stretch of the game, last, last eight minutes or so, last maybe seven, six, whatever it was, down the stretch, I kept saying to my friends, oh, this thing's over. Rutgers is up 12. And I, I'll go, you know, grab a snack or something, go back to my TV, and then I'm sitting down, and I'm, it's like a six-point game now. And, again, that's happening, like you say, because of free throw woes, uh, free throw line. Like, you, you miss you, – if you're not in the double bonus, you get a one-on-one -one situation. You miss the front one. Now you just came up with no points there. So, a little bit, that kind of that kind of scared me because many times they could have absolutely put their foot on their neck and made this game um, – absolute and an absolute demolition but instead uh it, it was closer i know the final score didn't quite recap the whole game it wasn't a three-point game down down the stretch but what i'm saying is, is they kept allowing illinois to get back in it whether it's by missing free throws or by uh maybe just being a little more sharper on defense down the stretch oh for sure and you know 25 of 36 that's 11 missed opportunities in terms of points you know if Rutgers makes let's say the rest of those free throws they score 102 points this game. So uh, it's just, you're right, Brent. That's that's what keeps these teams in these games, and that's what Rutgers really needs to improve on because I feel like once they're able to shoot the free throws at a at a high percentage, and you know, just at a decent percentage, you know, if they can shoot night in and night out, you know, 75 to 77% as a team, I mean, that's honestly, that's a win in my book because as a team, that's a pretty good percentage, but guys like Harper really have to step it up. He's only shooting... 50 like 55 percent from the line and we talked about how great he is yeah. behind the arc no, I don't think that's there's an excuse for that yeah you can't be a, a, as a guy like Ron Harper I mean it, it can't be a weak spot in your game on the free throw line because somebody like him I mean if he's going to get NBA looks and stuff down down the future that's definitely going to be a facet in his game that he needs to work on and improve because he's a type of player who they're going to want cutting driving to the basket and when you get pulled hold up on the on the foul line now and you, you can't convert, that sometimes can be a little bit of an issue and, uh, you know, for his position. Uh, so for him, for him, I definitely need to see better free throw shooting from him. But as a team, I, I, I personally don't see, other than, other than Gio and um, Jacob Young cleaning up their, their free throw percentages as the year goes on, because Rutgers typically gets better as they play more games than that. A lot of teams in college basketball as well. But they get better as they keep playing games, and that could include knocking some rust off and getting your confidence in, in your free throw stroke. So I expect people like them to pick it up a little bit, um, but I, I don't necessarily see that going away, which is a scary, scary thing for this Rutgers team. But that would be their one weakness that you can see right now. Yeah, and um, to 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 Harper's credit, he did shoot five for six from the line this past game, which is what Rutgers needed. But fifty five percent on the year, that number has to go up. But as long as he can continue shooting like he did, this I expect past the game, numbers to clean up. Yeah, I, I, I do expect too. the numbers to clean up. Yeah, I, I expect him to clean up. But I mean, I, I know I'm not expecting Miles's numbers to clean up too much. But he played no. phenomenal last game. I was so I, I was back all all in on the Miles hype wagon again because he looked incredible. The defense that this team plays is nuts. Paul Mulcahy, he had a really good defensive game. I mean, they were blocking shots, getting handsy on defense. 
stealing, like they, they taking charges. I, I saw a lot of really good things I, I liked from them and big and big possessions when when moments were it mattered most, whether it was Ron, Gio or Jacob driving or shooting a, a three because Ron made a lot of those. And Gio made a couple clutch step backs to a couple clutch jumpers when when Rutgers needed a bucket. But yeah, their, their defense, it, even though they allowed 88 points to be scored, it came up in big moments, which is what I liked. Yeah, and, and let's not forget either, Brant, that Illinois hit a pointless three-pointer at the end of that game anyway that Rutgers wasn't even playing no. defense for. So, I mean, they really they really scored yeah. 85. But but nonetheless, yeah. what really encourages me, Brent, is yeah, I, I said this on Nightline after this game uh, with, uh, with our many callers. I was talking about how the one thing that had me worried about Rutgers was, you know, we all know that they're this powerhouse of a defensive team and they're really good at rebounding the basketball and and getting turnovers that turn into points which you know really elevates Rutgers over some of their better opponents uh the one thing that worried me was in a game like this where they would have to score a lot of points I wasn't sure if Rutgers would be up to the task to put up you know say 90 points in a in a game yeah that's and and they, and they answered that question offense. and they answered this question yeah. they answered that question this Sunday and that's why I am much more confident in this team because I know that now they can score all the points in the world if they have to. Yeah, they, they this this team has gotten so much better on offense last year. Like I know towards the end a little bit they started getting they started clicking a little more on offense, but but typically when they won a game last year it would be, you know, a, a 60 to 50 range around there. So now, I mean, we're, we're looking at a, an offense that could put up way more points, and their defense is there. And like I said, although they gave up a bunch of points, um, this is still a really good Illinois team, first of all. Uh, it, it's conference play, only second game of the conference play. These teams that kind of know each other. And, and two, I, I think the defense stepped up when it, when it mattered most because the way I see how that game unfolded, they ran away with it in the second half, but, but they got punched in the mouth in the first half and that and they answered that call really well coming into half I mean you you're still down even though by it was four and they were closing the gap consistently this was a game where where they kind of got showed up and they stepped up to the challenge offensively and defensively so I, I loved what I saw yeah, and let's not forget either that the Sunmu and Coburn are most likely going to be NBA prospects and pretty good ones, if I have to add that. I mean, yeah. these guys will be good in the NBA for sure. And, you know, Illinois coming into this game on the year was averaging 88 points per game. And Peichel said that in the in the pregame interview that he did with Chris Sacon, our, our Chris Saconis, our sports director. He said that in the interview that, you know, we're, we're going to have to do well defensively on a team that's averaging 88 points per game, which is like sixth in in basketball. Like, it's a crazy stat. This team is offensively loaded with three-point shooters, Dasunmu and Coburn, who's seven foot tall, and he's built like the rock. So it, it's, it, yeah, it, it was going to be a struggle for Rutgers defensively going into that game, no matter, you know, how good of defense we've been playing over the past season. And, you know, even going back to last year, we knew that this was going to be a high-scoring affair from Illinois, and and Rutgers met them and beat them with 91 points of their own. And to your to your point before, you know, you said we got punched in the mouth in the first half, and and we did, we really did. We were giving up a lot of three-point balls, and to be fair, the defense was actually pretty good. They were just making a lot of a lot of contested and yeah. tough shots uh, that, that we really just couldn't do anything about. And you know, Cliff wasn't looking too hot down low. I mean, he, he didn't have any points. He went 0 for two from the line. Two rebounds, two blocks. Yeah, you know, it, he didn't, he couldn't get anything going. 
Um, and in the second half, Paul Mulcahy and Miles Johnson absolutely went to work on Coburn down low and shut him down. Yeah, that was the that was yeah, the big I mean, thing for me. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I was just about to say that this game showed me one thing too, and, and it's that if you want to talk about big men, there's not many big men in the country, or, or if there are, that are better, better than Coburn. I mean, in a size perspective, at least, um, there's just still obviously good big men, but there's not many, uh, not many more better than. Yeah, Coburn. Luca Garza is probably and, one of the only few. Yeah, 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 Luca, Luca Garza. But anyways, what, what I'm saying is Miles, Miles is good. He can. Ha- I mean, we got big men to hang with anybody in the entire country. After after seeing a game like that, I know uh, Cliff's got. You know, he's got to pick it up a little bit, but his role in this team, I think, always was going to be either second fiddle or or tie or you know in a t- in somewhat of a tie for for minutes with Miles. He was never yeah. Miles is Miles is he's going to be, you know, he, he's the core. He's one of the core players of this team. He was never going to completely take his minutes out. So I was expecting Miles especially in and when he had Big 10 conference play to be the one to actually step up. Like I know we're expecting more from Cliff and I agree you got to get a little bit more out of him, but it, it this didn't shock me that that this was Miles's game to take over here. This is what I'm trying to yeah, get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I remember too uh, like pregame when the lineups came out, when Cliff was in the starting lineup, I was kind of just sitting and, and just wondering, you know, almost why Pykele was going to throw him right into the fire. I mean, for his for his like big his first big game here at Rutgers, he's got to go up against one of the best centers in all of basketball, Kofi Coburn, and he's seven foot tall. And like I said, he's built like the Rock. He's built like a WWE yeah. dude, and. Nah, he's huge, man. Yeah, he's no, big. He, he's like, no joke. He's he, no joke. He's not like a Kevin Durant that's seven foot tall, but kind of lanky. This guy is built. But anyway, yeah. it was interesting that they put him in the starting lineup. And you're right, whether Miles Johnson starts or if he comes off the bench, he's always getting more minutes than Omarui is anyway. So uh, yeah. I think Miles Johnson is built for Big Ten play. I agree with you. I think he he shows up night in and night out with, with all those rebounds that he gets. I mean, he had 13 rebounds in total six of them were offensive and seven were defensive so he splits them pretty much halfway right down the middle and all those offensive rebounds were really clutch for Rutgers if you look at the totals uh, Rutgers had a total of 15 and Illinois had 10 meanwhile the rebound difference was one in total each team uh, Rutgers at 35 Illinois at 34 so those five extra offensive rebounds really helped Rutgers in this win, and that's what their success has been ever since dating back to last year. Yeah, I I, I agree. We always are trying to crash the boards. I say that in every game. If we're gonna win, uh, if we're gonna win this game, we have to win the rebound battle because because of our length and our size. Um, that that's just something that that has to be done. It, typically, if we lose a rebound battle, we'll probably have our odds to lose the game are going to increase tenfold compared to if, if we win the rebound battle, especially on the offensive side of things. But, I mean, Miles had 13 rebounds. He was a point away from a double-double again. Uh, I mean, how many blocks did, how many blocks did he have? I, I mean, when you, when you have a player like that, when you have a player like three. that, it, he had three blocks. When you have a player like that, I, I think that it's – it's going to be hard for us to lose many rebound battles, though. I'm telling you, he on, on the glass, I, I make fun of him sometimes on offense. I, I think he's got to improve a little bit. He's got to finish when he gets fouled because of his free throw shooting ability. He's got to be able to convert on a couple more and on a couple more and one. So you just get the, the basket out of the way. But defensively and in terms of grabbing rebounds, he's always been one of the best in the, one of the best in the country. Yeah, and you're right. I think. 
the one thing that he also needs to improve on, which you said, was just finishing at the hole when he gets fouled. Because, as you know, he's as a team, we're not even that great at free throws. And for our center to shoot pretty much under 50%, which is understandable, you know, you're going to have to finish some of those those layups that they're going to foul you on because, you know, if you go 0 for 2, it's just kind of you know, a waste of a possession and you don't really get anything out of it. Uh, interesting to note, Rutgers, I don't know the total, but I do remember looking at it because it's a point of emphasis to talk about. Rutgers was losing the rebound total at halftime in this game. Um, Cliff O'Marie played 10 minutes in that first half before getting injured, and that's something we'll talk about in a little bit, but you know, ten minutes. He pretty much played the first half of that of that first. He he played half the first half, and he only had two rebounds. Uh, and I believe Kofi Coburn had like seven. So, you know, from that standpoint, as soon as Miles was put in, you saw the immediate impact uh, in terms of crashing the boards for this team. Um, and I think that Cliff, watching Miles Johnson, this will benefit Cliff in a great way. And it's just it's a matter of time before Cliff kind of just comes onto the scene, but. You know, since we're talking about yeah. Cliff, you know he got he got injured in this game. He he had something with his right knee, uh, and he, they put on a a knee brace during the halftime. And he came out, and there were video there was videos of him on the on the exercise bike on the sidelines, and, and people thought he might come back in. But news today saying that he is out indefinitely with no timetable to return. So Cliff Omari will be injured uh, for the foreseeable future. We don't know when he'll come back, but obviously a big loss for Rutgers as we really want to get Omari kind of going in this system. Well, a couple things. First of all, I, I saw that, that, that he's not going to play tomorrow in a big game against Ohio State. But for, for me, when we talk about what uh, – Cliff's going to be doing with this team in the future and how he needs to get more involved. I agree. I, I he, he definitely needs to get more involved offensively, but he has already, whether you've seen it or not, had an immediate impact on this team, regardless of what you think we're, we're six and zero now. I know we had a good year last year where we're 11th and we're 11th in the country now, which is higher than, than we ever achieved last year. This team one way in one way or another, whether it's, whether you could say it's the coronavirus, no fans, or whatever you want to talk about, has improved. And one of the new additions that we've made, and the biggest addition we made, is with Cliff. So whether he's doing, whether he's making noise offensively, or just having a presence like him on the basketball court, uh, he, he's a huge guy. I mean, when you're out there, first of all, trying to shoot around him, him on defense, the the threat of grabbing the rebound, you know, when we have tandem moments, like when you have Miles and Cliff out there at the same time, these are two big guys. So losing somebody like him, it definitely hurts. I, I know he hasn't done the much offensively, so maybe there'll, there'll be people who think that uh, it's not really going to change the team that much. And I agree. I, I don't necessarily seem saying that losing him means we lose tomorrow, but it, it's definitely a blow to this team. We got to get him back soon. Yeah, and... You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that he hasn't had an impact on our team. Uh, the the first three games where we really didn't no, no, play... I'm not saying to you. I'm not preaching. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to just other people because I know some people saying like, oh, like Cliff was this huge guy that we were hyping up, and they're not like seeing him when you open up ESPN and look at like the box score. He's not the one that's like lighting lighting up. Yeah, and that's what I'm and what I'm trying to say is is he's already had an impact on this team, and it's and it's obvious. 
Yeah, I, I'm just agreeing with you, and I want people yeah. to. Like, I want it to be known. No, yeah, that, I want people to know that. I'm not you, not you. Yeah, no, no. I want people to. I want it to be known that I'm not one of those uh, people that you yeah. speak about. I, I, I think he's had an impact on this team. It just, it stinks to see that he won't have an impact going forward with Big Ten opponents. As you know, that's the meat of the schedule. But he did have really good games. The first three games where we kind of played a bunch of non-conference teams that weren't very good, but he definitely put on a show for those games and. You know, honestly, I think with the way Miles Johnson has been playing and we'll have Decor come off the bench with his experience as well, I honestly, I don't think Rutgers will really, uh, you know, take that. It'll be, I don't think it'll be that big of a gap for Rutgers in terms of uh, crashing no, the boards. They can still win this game. To, they can still win this game tomorrow without him. That's not what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's just to, to be this this great team that they are, 11th, 11th in the country, 6-0, and one of the best defensive teams in the country. And he, it, it's it's in part by him too. It's a collective effort. Yeah, and as we talk about the the next game in Ohio State, um, you know, a couple interesting t- tidbits here. Ron Harper Jr.'s free throw percentage, by the way, Brent. I I just saw this. It went up to sixty two and a half percent. It was at fifty five before. Okay. The I mean, Illinois it still game. needs to be better. It, it still should be better for a, a player of his caliber and and what especially what for a guard he is known. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. His position. Yeah. Uh, also, ESPN Brent is giving Rutgers a thirty-five percent chance to win this game. Giving uh, Ohio they've State been 65. shot. They've been shot all year. Every time, like I, I have gone, and anytime that this ESPN thing says that Rutgers is the favorite, I've said the exact. I mean, the underdog. I said the exact opposite. I think they can win this. I think they can win that game. They probably gave them such a little chance to win this to win this Illinois game too. That ESPN thing gets me mad. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely honestly. I I think it's biased because I I still think that they don't believe Rutgers is. You know, a, a presence in basketball is they're so accustomed to us being pretty bad. I just think that they're it's it's tough for them to accept that we're finally good. Um, but a couple of interesting things to look at uh, for the Ohio State game. Their leading scorer, his name is Dwayne Washington Jr., and he averages 14 points per game. That's their leading scorer. And he's shooting 36% yeah. from the field, but he is shooting 95% from the line. So that's amazing there, but... 36% from the field when we have Ron Harper shooting 60% and averaging 24 points per game. Uh, I like that matchup heavily. Uh, Miles Johnson is averaging 9.7 <laughs> rebounds, right? And their leading yeah. rebounder is averaging 6. I just think, honestly... No, I, 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 think, I think it's utterly ridiculous, man. I, yeah. I think that that's completely out of line. I'm looking, no I, I'm looking that, at that these totals. The in this team. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way. It's okay. ESPN, ESPN is shot. I, I said the same thing. Vegas has been disrespecting them all, all year as well, too. Every time I look at their lines, I'm like, what the heck? Like, they think they think this team sucks still. Like, I, I think that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Vegas, Vegas and ESPN, I, I don't, aren't, aren't watching these games. This has been a solid team now for, I would say, the back end of last season. Now, in this first half of this season, this has been an incredible team. It's ridiculous. To get them... It, yeah, it's ridiculous. Ohio State—they're they're not—they're nothing crazy. I'm still surprised they're ranked. I, I honestly, I—I'm I, not yeah, very impressed with them. They're nothing crazy to me. Have you they're ever heard of crazy to me? Have you ever heard of Cleveland State University, Brent? Cleveland State—I have not. Yeah. Okay. So Ohio State played them in Columbus and only won by six points. Just I don't even know who fact. Cleveland State is. Yeah, me neither. That's crazy. And they're yeah, still ranked. Like, well, I didn't know that exists, but. Anyways, yeah, I, I if if this is where we're getting at for our next little segment here, Rutgers, I got them winning this game. I, I don't think that this is, I don't think this is anything to be to be that that worried about. Yeah, but anyway, it's still a tough game. 
and and there's no cakewalks, but this is a game that they can that they should be able to win, in my opinion. Uh, you just get you just get your 11th rank. Your the team's riding high in confidence. I know that the other thing that that opens up is now you have a target on your back, and every time every night people are going out there trying to beat you. I agree, but I think this team is good enough to win this game pretty handily. But then we have some good challenges, really good challenges coming up. So don't worry that the action is is on its way. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree with you, Brant. Rutgers should not go into this game thinking that it'll be easy, especially since me and you are kind of talking some trash on Ohio State and and just how they might yeah, be that's overrated. Yeah, trash because now I think you finally you finally can a little bit with the, with this Rutgers team. Yeah, I mean, win win or lose this game, this is this is one of the best teams in the country. So you you can have the ability to talk like that at this point now coming into games and and listen you know Ohio State is still ranked 23 so a win on the road against a top 25 ranked opponent it might put Rutgers in the top 10 and that might be for the first time ever I'm not really sure on that but it's definitely the first time I'd ever see it yeah I mean we last year we won one road win in in the uh I think I believe it was one we had like two on the season and one road win in the whole entire Big Ten in our first game on the road we spanked Maryland so I don't think that this team, if you're going to bring up the whole on the road thing or anybody, not not you, but anybody who tries to bring up that argument, I think we already put that to bed. I think this team is, is as legit as they come. Even we've had Jay Billis now starting to talk about them, gassing them up on there. At the, about it's, time. It's one of the biggest, yeah, it's one of the biggest talks in college basketball, I think, right now is the improved. Like people don't know what to make of it. They don't understand how Rutgers has gotten this good. Because everybody's just surprised, as, and you know, a true Rutgers fan knew what this future was going to be, and it, yeah. it's just all about the Ron Harper show. His major improvement has put this team over the top, over the mountain of what they had to face last year. Uh, looking at some more averages on the season, Brant against Ohio State, just because I'm, I find it a little interesting still how they are projected to lose this game. Rutgers is averaging six more rebounds per game. Rutgers is averaging fifty-one percent from the. Left from the field, while Ohio State is averaging 44%. Uh, Rutgers is averaging 80, 83 points per game, Ohio State 77. They both give up around 65 points. Uh, Rutgers averages seven, uh, 18 assists, and Ohio State averages 13. Rutgers, 6 blocks, Ohio State, 3. And the list just goes on and on. Rutgers with 8 steals per game, and Ohio State with 5. I, I, don't, I just don't understand how people can yeah. honestly think that Ohio State should win this game, at least favor them in this, at least. I, I yeah. There's no fans. Yeah, I think favoring, yeah, I, I, I agree. But, I mean, we're, we're going to see. The, the one thing that I'm I'm concerned about a little bit, honestly, is still uh, is still Cliff not, not being there because now you're going to have to play Mama, Mamadou Ducor in there. And, I mean, we saw last year that that, that really – kind of hurt us whenever Miles would get in foul trouble because, again, regardless of Cliff's skills offensively right now, because they will get better, but I'm saying where they are right now, um, he's still a guy that can play high-level high basketball. So, so, so to lose him and, and, start, and start somebody that it is, is not at his caliber definitely hurts them. Again, I, th- I think, though, that they should easily be favored for this Ohio State game, but they're not. But if Cliff's not back by the time we go up against Iowa, I think you're, you're going to see that this – this team needs him to be a part of it. Yeah, and, and that's a good point, Brent. I, I, I really didn't think about that because Miles Johnson does get into a lot of foul trouble, and if that is the case against Ohio State, then we're going to have to put in Ducor instead of a guy like Cliff, who I would much rather yes. prefer. Yeah, uh, and that, that bite, that's what I'm... That, yeah. 
that's what I'm saying. Clearly, at some degree, when when you look when you just look at it on on paper, he has had some type of big improvement to this team. Whether you can see it when you watch a game or not, for them to be six and zero now, eleven eleven and eleventh in the country. He's made he's he's made some improvement. Whether it's popping out at you on the screen when you're watching each and every game. But or whether it's behind the scenes and, and it's what he's doing offensively off the ball, whatever it is, he he's made this team take some kind of jump, and we we've yet to see them play without him now. So I guess it, it's going to be interesting if somebody like Miles gets in foul trouble, but I hope ho- hopefully not. Yeah, I I definitely hope uh, he doesn't either. He did have four fouls against the Illini last game, so you know that's kind of a little a little discouraging. Uh, as he had four fouls, I, I really hope he doesn't foul out because then Rutgers, like you said, it might get into a it might be a big issue for them down low, which would be their strong suit, um, and they really wouldn't have anybody else to go to except for Decor. Uh, is there anybody else on the Rutgers roster that's like a center that they would go to other than Decor? I mean, no. I mean, we we had this problem last year as well. This this was a big problem for us. We'd have a bunch of callers talk to us all the time whether Miles had a bad game or whether he got got in foul trouble, we, we would always be struggling at, at, at the backup center. So coming into this year, that's why we were also hyped on Cliff, not even because of what he was going to bring to the team offensively, because we knew we, we had the firepower like, offensively. We have, we have talent, really good talent on offense. But for, for us, the biggest weakness that everyone would always say is backup center. So that's why we were so hyped to have Cliff, especially at his position, and then be our first top 50 recruit in how long? Like, that, that, that's what it was. Welcome back to Tuesday night edition of The Crew, December 22nd. I'm Dylan Allen alongside Brant Wolf. Uh, it's time for Locks of the Week. Brant, you have a lock for me? I actually do got a lock for you. I had I, I had I had two, but um I'll, I'll be funny with one because it's not it's not uh anytime soon, and that was when I'm saying anytime soon. I mean this weekend, but uh, I, I was funnily funnily gonna say that if that was even a word funnily, but I was gonna <laughs> say that the Jaguars are a hundred percent losing to whoever they play in this weekend because the Jets blew it. You talked about that in your sports cast. They don't have the number one pick anymore, so Sacco's now the Jaguars are just like oh. They're like, oh, wow, we, we, we got it now? Oh, we have to lose this game. So, in my opinion, I don't know who the Jags are playing 100%. The Bears. But whoever they are, the Bears the Bears are winning that game. But my real lock of the week tonight, um, the Lakers are not losing tonight against the Clippers. I'm, I'm hyped for that game tonight, but it's ring night. Made a bunch of new additions, the Lakers. I just can't see the Clippers going out there and beating this Anthony Davis-LeBron-led team tonight. And we'll save that. We'll save that for this next segment. But my lock of the week, Brent, I'm going to have to take the Miami Dolphins over the Las Vegas Raiders, minus two and a half. Uh, There's questions going around on whether Derek Carr will play this week, and if not, it'll have to be Marcus Mariota. Uh, That Raiders defense has looked like absolute crap, and the Dolphins have looked pretty good ever since starting Tua, and the defense for them has been playing great all season. Uh, I think that's a pretty good bet, two and a half points uh, I, I could see them winning by a field goal or 10 points or 20. It, honestly, it could go either way, but I definitely think Miami covers that one. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the NBA as 
you reminded me, Brant, that the NBA season starts tonight. The two games on are the Brooklyn Nets against the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Clippers versus the Lakers. Which game would you like to start off with? Uh, I mean, you could start with. I mean, we could start with the one I, I just brought up because. All right, go I, ahead. I guess. It's, so yeah, so, so it's gonna be interesting because, as we all I, know, I don't, I don't. So the so the Lakers have picked up Montrezl Harrell now, right. first of all. So that that's a big pickup in my opinion for them. The former Clipper. Clippers got a Baca and too. They, they got a, They got a Baca, but a, a Baca. We'll, we'll we'll see how he goes with this team. But they also picked up Dennis Schroeder at at point guard. I know they lost. They, they lost Rondo, right? So, but but they picked up Schroeder. They I think Schroeder's Rondo better anyway. than Rondo. Yes, agreed. Uh, but, but Rondo was really good for them in that in that playoff in the playoffs that they had. But so Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, two huge pickups for them. On top of that, it's Rignite, and I, I just feel that this Lakers team has a scary confidence for them. Yeah, and you know it's funny that you bring up those uh, acquisitions that the Lakers had because. As an avid sports fan, I like to watch Skip and Shannon on on Fox Sports a couple times here during the week or whatever, and it, it I find it so amusing that Skip uh, Bayless tries to argue that the Clippers had a better offseason in terms of acquisitions than the Lakers. Um, Most definitely, yeah. Not. And he and he just brings up like he's like Abaka is better than Harrell and and Dennis Schroeder. It, it, it was obvious. I was just sitting there going, "Are you crazy?" Montrezl Harrell is one of the best forwards. He played. He, he's the he's the sixth man of the year, and. I think Dennis Schroeder is the sixth man of the year as well, or like the runner-up. I think it was one of the two, and it's just it, I don't understand how he argues that. But I, I think that the Lakers no, they're are just they're just taking sound bites. They're yeah. literally just taking sound bites, sound, trying to get sound bites at that point. The Lakers had a crazy offseason for for a team that's coming off a championship, and in my opinion, they didn't go out there and get a star because they have the two biggest stars that you possibly need. What they did was even better. They got people who are just below that level. And hungry, so I, and, and really good piece, really good pieces and additions to teams. Then Dennis Schroeder, good, really good point guard, can play good basketball. We have never seen him on a team like this, a team that's led by LeBron. Like it, it could be scary. I think that this team could be way better than they were last year. Yeah, and you know I'm looking at their roster right now. I think we both forgot that they also added Mark Gasol as well. Uh, and he's still, I know he's old, but he's still oh, a gosh, good center. Yeah. Yeah, for for you to say that I, I can't even I can't even really even say that Ibaka is, is better <laughs> than Marcus All. I think they're about the, I would say they're about pretty even to me. Yeah. They both can make that outside jumper. They're both, you know, just just sound basketball player veterans. So I, I don't that's literally just Skip Bayless in that Shannon Sharp show. All all that they do is just try to grab some cool sound bites because these people are trying to drop hot takes. It's steaming hot. Yeah. But I, I, I think you're right and you know, I also you have to remember the Clippers are coming off of a season where they they blew a three one lead to the Nuggets in the Western Conference. Uh, what was it, semifinals or the finals? I forget. Um, but regardless, um, it was in the se- it was in the in the semis. Right, right, right. Regardless, that I that can't that can't be too good going into next year with that like that kind of I guess with that happening, it's just I guess it's kind of hard as a team to come together and work around that, but. I guess you could say they're motivated, but but even then though, like it, this Lakers team is just as motivated. I I think that LeBron thinks he he's got the whole entire uh, NBA community shook right now, and I think he's feeding off that. 
Anthony Davis, I mean, this this should be, in my opinion, his MVP year if he doesn't get hurt. They they got to give him one of these one of these years because this guy is other than a healthy KD. I had this argument. Um, I, I think it was I think it was last week, but uh, I don't think there's a player better than in the NBA than um, Anthony Davis other than LeBron and a, health, a healthy KD. Yeah, I mean, you, one could argue that. I mean, Giannis, I, I know he's a little bit o- uh, overrated when it comes to playoff performances, but you know, you you definitely could argue that him and and Harden, because you know, Harden puts up thirty five, thirty six points a Harden, game. Harden, don't get me started on Harden, though, man. <laughs> uh, don't get me started on that on that train because he he hasn't done squat. He has realistically done squat. He's had some crazy numbers in the regular season because he's taken 30 shots a game. Yeah. Same thing. Oh, I agree and, with you. But he, he hasn't done anything. He hasn't done squat on, on his resume, really, to to say to say something like that. Anthony Davis now has, has a championship, which, in my opinion, lo- I love LeBron, but it's largely, largely in part of Anthony Davis. I mean, if Anthony Davis is not on that team, you, you could be looking at another situation where they don't even make the playoffs again like, like they did two years ago. So uh, he, he has a championship solely, uh, not solely, but strongly on, on his hands. Like I, it, it was a two-man effort with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Obviously, collective, it's a team effort as well. But Anthony Davis not being there, I mean, that, that's one of his championships, in my opinion. Yeah, and LeBron did win the NBA, uh, the, the finals MVP. He averaged 30 points a game, 12 rebounds, and, and pretty much eight assists. Yeah, but which he would have never won without Anthony Davis. Oh, no, no, I, no I, I don't disagree. And Anthony Davis right behind him with 25 points, 11 rebounds, and three assists. I mean, that is, without Anthony Davis, there's no ring. And without LeBron for Anthony Davis, there's no ring. So you, you really needed both of them to just kind of be on the team together. You you you, you did. But, but what I'm saying is is like Harden's played with some with some good stars now. He's had Chris Paul. He's had Russell Westbrook. He had Clint Capella. He's a de- decent center. All, all, all this stuff. So he, he needs to be the guy. And and he, he, he couldn't. So like he, he had additions with him, but he couldn't get it done. And so what I'm saying is, is Anthony Davis going there on that team, like, it, it's like he he doesn't in my opinion Anthony Davis wasn't like wasn't ring chasing so to speak because he he was the he was the ring in a way wherever he went he was the missing piece it, to the puzzle yes he was a missing piece of the puzzle to to any team he to any team he went to because right. he, he's a he's he's an unreal player and what we, I mean he's a little injury prone sometimes that happens that's why I say barring any injuries. He's gonna. He he has a chance to be MVP this year, but I'm I'm a big Anthony Davis fan, and rightfully so. I mean, he was in a terrible team in 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 New Orleans. They had that one year where they went to the playoffs with with Demarcus Cousins and and Rondo, but that really didn't. That kind of fell apart when when Cousins got hurt. But um, other than that year, they really didn't have anything going on in in New Orleans. And I think I think you're right to say that he wasn't ring chasing because let's 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 not forget this wasn't a sign uh, free agency signing this was a trade. Um, it yeah. wasn't like he was leaving a team and going to a, a loaded team because that's where he wanted to go. It was where uh, a team had the most to offer for him and and the Pelicans decided to trade and I think it was a good trade for both teams. I mean Brandon Ingram has kind of formed into his own superstar of a player. He's been averaging good numbers and all star numbers. Uh, yeah, I think that was really good for the Pelicans, but I also it was, did. See, it was a fair trade. I did see some was, news though that they were uh, not interested in giving Lonzo Ball an extension. So I don't know, he's going to be a free agent next year. So it's going to be interesting to see what teams target Lonzo. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still 
I'm not a big ball ball family fan. I I'm not a fan of them really because I think they just bring unneeded drama for what they offer. Yeah. To, to whatever team you have, like I I'm I I think honestly that Steph said I don't even like I don't even want to play with Lamelo Ball. Like I I feel like he would say that say say something like that when the draft was happening and Lamelo slid past the Warriors because everyone thought oh now he's gonna go there and stuff like. I just feel that when if he would have went to a team like that, it would just been so much drama. Like and Steph's Steph would be a type of person to not even be interested in that to me. But that that was my that was my uh, interpretation of why the Warriors didn't take him because playing with a ball brother has to be uh, annoying in a sense, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it brings it definitely brings a lot of uh, like personality to the to the to the clubhouse that you know some people might not want. Yeah, uh, I I think I definitely think though that Wiseman was the right pick. They they were missing a center, uh, yeah. for that offense, and I think it, it's it stinks because Clay's out with yet another uh, Achilles injury, yeah, this time I, in I his love, other leg, which I which love, really stinks. I love Clay. Yeah, I'm, Clay I'm a, I'm a Clay is Clay great guy. to watch. I agree, yeah. and, and I think that once they get Clay back, and Wiseman has a year under his belt, that they'll be back to form, and you know they'll be in the playoffs competing for championships like they were a couple of years ago. Well. With that, let's segue into the other NBA matchup tonight between the Brooklyn Nets and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, primarily the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant making his Nets debut for a regular season game and you know Kyrie making, I don't know what start, but he really didn't play too too much last year. He had an injury, a couple reoccurring ones. So uh, I think that the Nets will win this game. I think Klay Thompson not playing for the uh, for the Warriors this whole year, I think that's going to be a big issue for them offensively, and I just think that the Nets with Kyrie and Kevin Durant are just too much to handle. I don't know what you think, but uh, I think that the Nets are definitely Finals contenders for sure. For me, I I think the Nets, yeah, I think they're going to win this game against against the Warriors. The Warriors had a lot of uh, power, I guess, uh, stripped from them when when Clay went down with his uh, unfortunate injury. So uh, any kind of momentum that they were riding coming into this year was kind of shot down. I think the Nets are riding in the exact opposite. So uh, unless they just have trouble uh, meshing together in this first game would be the only reason why I see they why, why I see them losing this game. But uh, with with KD, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens and, and how they decide to play him because I, I feel like he's going to, he, he's going to play a, a usual minutes that he would play if he was healthy because i mean he hasn't played now because of the whole coronavirus situation in so long that so, and his injury that and his injury too but, but i'm saying he hasn't played in so long so it's weird for me to think we're going to go out there and see kevin durant kevin durant have the most lit green light possible but part of me thinks that he might as well so i'm interested to look at that and see how, how they kind of play him and also just how he looks yeah, that's the big question too. Which I guess which Durant are we going to see tonight? Are we going to see you know what we're used to seeing MVP type Durant where he's putting up 30 points per game and shooting at a at a high level? Are we going to see or are we going to see you know 15 20 minutes, maybe only 12 points? I don't I don't know how they're going to I don't know how Steve Nash is going to handle that game the game tonight because you know Achilles injuries aren't easy to come back from. We saw with Kobe and and his Achilles injuries that he really wasn't the same after that, and uh, it, 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 I guess tonight it'll show you, you know, which KD we're going to get. But in a couple of those preseason games uh, where we did see Kevin Durant play, I think he had twenty five points in one of those games. So 
you know, I think he might be playing towards his normal self and with tonight being the 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 first regular season game, they might put him in kind of like to what they would normally do in terms of minutes and then if they're up kind of big at halftime, they might just sit him. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they did that. Yeah, I mean, I, I expect him to be the same Kevin Durant when it, when it, it comes of in terms of how he plays. Uh, in, in a way, I mean, not saying that it might, it could be, it could look a little regressed. The version that we see, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think he's going to be just fine. But I, I think he's going to be playing the same in terms of when he's got the basketball in his hands. He's not going to be looking stagnant and and not trying to do anything on offense. He's going to be trying to create space. He's going to be trying to put it up deep threes. He's going to try to get to the hole like. He, I, I expect that to be there. I just think there might be a minutes restriction, but I don't. I don't also don't see why. Like, well, like why? Because he, he, he could also be the type of guy like, nah, like I'm perfectly healthy right now. Like, let's show them that I, I, I can. I'm, I'm playing now, and I'm going to play a full game of basketball. So that's what I'm interested to see. Yeah, and another thing to know, I'm looking here at the, uh, just the preview for tonight's game. Uh, apparently, Draymond Green is also injured. He has his status is day to day, so he might play tonight. It's not sure, but. If he doesn't play, then I don't think Golden State has any chances to win this game. Uh, it's going to be very difficult for for just Curry and a rookie and James Wiseman to get anything going offensively without Clay or you know or Draymond. And I think they're just totally outmatched. Uh, Brooklyn having Kyrie, who we even haven't talked about yet. He's been making all this noise all over social media about not talking to the media, and I kind of find it amusing. Just sometimes he makes some idiotic comments that I that I kind of just chuckle to myself. He's like the Earth's flat. Uh, they're just a bunch of pawns. I, I don't. I honestly, I don't know what the heck he's talking about half the time. But uh, it, I don't. I, I'm not a. I used to be a big Kyrie guy. I know Jersey, Patrick School, all all this stuff. But he he he's disappointed me a little bit in, in the last couple of years. Not even a little bit. A lot of it. I'm not not as high as I was in Cleveland. I was a big. I was a big Kyrie guy. Then when he left and thought he was going to be the dude and went to South and went to the Celtics and didn't do anything, and then he starts coming out with his ridiculous comments. I'm just not as big on him as I was. Yeah, because you know when he when he was in Cleveland, he was kind of like this humble guy that really didn't play on any good teams for Cleveland. He was drafted the first pick, and then all of a sudden LeBron comes back for the, his his revenge tour with Cleveland to go win them a championship and he's kind of like the sidekick and he's he's everyone's favorite guy because he was playing great with LeBron and they just seem so happy and you're right when he got to Boston he was just like he became this cocky kind of guy that was just he, he acted like he he was just the best at everything and, and it never really worked out and it's kind of carrying over to Brooklyn right now uh so it's it's definitely definitely a different Kyrie than what we're used to seeing but again uh you say the Lakers will win their game against the Clippers tonight yeah, I, I believe the Lakers win this game. I, I I don't see even though I think that the Clippers might might be better and they might be the the team to meet um, the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals again. They might be that team this year, but I I, I don't see them winning this game. Yeah, and I I know we just kind of switched gears like that uh, pretty quickly, but I think that the the loss of Montrose Harrell for the Clippers. And the Lakers adding him, I think that'll be the big issue for the Clippers as he was a pretty big piece in that offense and really his defensive ability. Because don't forget, the Clippers are almost like Rutgers. They're built up on a defensive team that can score the basketball when they have to, but they're really just a defensive team with Patrick Beverly and you know Kawhi, and they had Montrezl Harrell. But now with, with Harrell missing, it, it kind of opens up. It, it's You're essentially 
replacing Harrell with Serge Ibaka, who really hasn't been too great since his days in like OKC. Um, so it, it it's definitely going to be difficult for the Clippers like, to I'm fill that role. Their, I'm looking at their at their roster now, so I I don't I don't see how this got any any better. I I, I don't the only player that I like that they added was Lou Kennard. He, he he's pretty good. He's a pretty good sharpshooter from Duke. He he played well towards the last year that he had with with Detroit, but he can't make up for for somebody like Montrezl Howard. And then they threw in Abaca, so they got Abaca and Lou Kennard are their main two pickups for the off season. Yeah, that, that's not gonna that's not gonna do it. And they lost Harrell. I, I think the loss of Harrell outweighs their additions this year. Yeah, and I don't think I'm I'm again not a big Paul George guy. I think Paul George is somebody who doesn't get it done in the playoffs. Playoff P was a myth forever. I don't know why anybody says that. He doesn't get it done. I'm not, I'm not a fan of Yeah, his. He, he's kinda like James Harden in a sense. He's looking great all regular season and come playoff time, it's just a different he's a different basketball player. Uh just how he everything looked, looks off. How he looked in that playoffs and that series against the Nuggets was inexcusable you can never you, you as somebody if his caliber just signed to a max contract how many millions he's got you he's the guy that that you bring here to win Kawhi championship and the Clippers organization championship and that's how you play I I just LeBron LeBron and Anthony Davis would never do what, what, what he does in a series in, in terms of it's possible where you could play a series against the Clippers and Paul George just doesn't show up it's possible like imagine saying that on the other end of things. Like so, imagine saying, "Oh, well, the Clippers are in this Western Conference Finals. Are playing the they're playing the Lakers, but we don't know what type of Anthony Davis we're gonna get, or we don't know what type of LeBron. If that ever happens to that team, they're 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 beat. But they don't, and that's the difference between I I think Paul George and some of the even more upper echelon players. Yeah, and that's what happens when you have LeBron James. He's the best player in basketball. He shows up every single day, every single game. Uh, he plays yeah. lights out, almost a triple-double uh, pretty much every game he goes out there. And you're right, Anthony Davis is a very reliable player, and he's been playing at a high level pretty much his whole career, barring injuries or anything like that. And Paul George, yeah, that's a, that's a problem. Going into the playoffs, if you're a team and you're you're kind of thinking like, is Paul George, which which Paul George are we going to see? You know, we're not 100% sure. You know, if you're going into that with that mindset, if that's an issue, because if you're Lakers management fans, whatever, you know, even another player on the team, you're going in there saying we have the two best players in the league. We're going in there. We're going to win some games. Yes, exactly. No issues. And, and that's what and that's what I think. It's again, it's, I'm not saying Paul George is bad at basketball. I'm just saying for where the money he gets paid, the contracts he gets and the hype around him, he's a step below some of the upper tier players of, you know, like those. Kawhi's, LeBron's. I mean, he's these. making more. He's making more uh, money yearly than Kawhi Leonard. He's making thirty-five million. Kawhi's making thirty-four. So, you know, you're you're pretty much paying more for Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard is obviously the better player. Yeah. So that that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. So that to me, with that roster, if if it's still if Kawhi and Paul George are the two people who are. Uh, above the rest of the roster, and it's by a wide margin. It's not going to be enough, because I know it's enough for LeBron and, and AD, but they're so far ahead of everybody else on their team, and are are going to play that way every night. 
So if you got two players who I see, if I'm only looking at, at the Clippers roster right now and they only have a big two and not a big three because that's what they have, it's not, it, not going to be enough because I don't think Paul George is a strong enough sidekick to do that. Yeah, and that full series yeah, against the Lakers. For sure. I think the Lakers, you know, I'm going to be honest, Brent. Last year, I had the Clippers winning the championship. I had it, uh, Clippers versus I'm Celtics. I'm sure you did. I never did, though. I never did. Yeah. Because I'm telling you, you just, Anthony Davis and LeBron, as long as they don't get hurt, these people are unreal. We keep going. Yeah, but I also, what I looked at was head to head. I think that the Clippers went three and one against the Lakers last year in the regular season, and they, and they won. Like pretty good margins, they played good defense. They kept LeBron and Anthony Davis kind of like under wraps, and I thought was and my thought process was like, listen, if they can do this in the regular season, I know playoff LeBron's a different breed and all, but I I definitely gave them a good chance, and especially with Harold the way he was playing, um, you know, Lou Williams, he's a great bench guard, and it just. You know, Kawhi Leonard was playing outstanding basketball, kind of carrying in from that Raptors season that he had, and I just mm-hmm. thought that that was. I thought that they were the best team in basketball, and I thought that they would go beat the Lakers in seven games in the finals. And, you know, it was looking that way until they blew that 3-1 lead against the Nuggets. But um, So, you're you're a Nets fan, right? I'm actually a Knicks fan, unfortunately. Okay, I'm, an, I'm a Knicks fan as well. But anyways, I, I thought maybe you were one of the many Nets fans at the station, so I was about to hit you with something great because you're talking about how the Clippers were beating, them, uh, beating the Lakers in the regular season. One of my favorite things to tell Nets fans and just – regular season basketball people in general the nets one year had beaten the miami heat lebron's miami heat four times in the regular season they were four and oh against them in the regular season yeah they met in the playoffs and got absolutely washed off the court they got the buses warmed up they were sent home they were mad they were angry it was a sweep they were gone they already (laughs) had the locker room cleaned out yeah, so 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 anybody just saying that they this this Clippers team beat LeBron three one in the regular season in the playoffs it's a different manner it's a different manner, but I I I just don't think that that regular season them them winning games in the regular season means anything against a, a playoff LeBron as crazy as that sounds and as corny as that might sound when you get a playoff LeBron it's it, it's different it's going to be a lot harder. And I I had a feeling that's where you where you were going, Brent, because I've heard that before. Because I have friends that are Nets fans, and and I and people bring that up all the time. But the, the the one difference with that, Brent, is the team that I thought was going to win had a had twenty nine year old superstars that were coming off of great years, and the Nets had a thirty like seven year old Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, like washed up <laughs> players for sure. Pretty for it, sure. It, that's but, but, the difference but, 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 we're talking about. But I'm saying they didn't even win a game, though. They didn't win a game. I know. They, they didn't. It wasn't close. So, so what I'm saying is, is if you beat a team, if you played four times in the regular season, statistically, if you played in the playoffs, even if you were the lesser team on paper, you would, you would assume that, you know, it's a gentleman sweep or, or maybe they could even, you know, it's a gentleman sweep or it's a series where a lot of games are tight in the, in the heat, just pull it off last, last three minutes, just bring their lead out too much and win the game. Like it wasn't like that. There was just a clear. There was a clear difference, and I could see that even with. And, and if you didn't think that in the regular season, because again, I, I didn't think the Clippers were not going to make the Western Conference Finals during the regular season. I always assumed that, but after when when the playoffs started at the bubble and they played that Mavericks team, 
and the way they played there, I, I kind of started seeing already that this team wasn't quite as good as what we thought. But that was my opinion. Yeah, and I made that prediction probably a week after the NBA shutdown. So, like, pro- in, like, mid to end of March, I, I said that I thought the Clippers would win. Um, and you also can't forget about this brand. Uh, in past finals with the Spurs, Kawhi Leonard was an absolute defensive unit against LeBron James. He was he was kind of like the, the kryptonite for LeBron. I remember seeing this clip, and it's pretty famous. I, I'm You've probably seen it yourself. When, I don't know which game it was, but in the NBA finals against the Spurs, when Kawhi Leonard checked back in, while LeBron was shooting free throws, you could just hear him say, you could hear him scream like, uh, "Oh!" And then like a bad word, you can fill in the blank. But it it basically symbolized that he he wasn't looking forward to Kawhi Leonard coming back in, especially when they were making a comeback because so, he just couldn't do, get anything done on Kawhi. So that's also another thing I also looked at. I said, "Listen, Kawhi can definitely guard LeBron. He did it when he was 24, when he was less experienced. He definitely can do it now when he's 29. Like there shouldn't be so that big of a gap." Here's my one thing before we go to before we go to break, and we gotta end the segment. But um, when Kawhi was guarding LeBron like that, and everyone thought he was his kryptonite, and and he did a way better job. You have to understand, although he was 24 years old, and and you can make that argument, he's older now. He's more towards his prime. His role in 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 the offense of any team he's a part of is way different than it was then on that Spurs team I know everyone could start to see he was he was going to be their best player but he didn't have to 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 have the whole entire team on his back on offense and then try to go and and block LeBron up it's like now on, on the Clippers he he's responsible for pretty much all their offense and now you're trying to tell him to give it 110 percent against the best player in the world on defense too it gets a little harder. So that, that, I, that's why I'm saying what I saw when, when if LeBron, if LeBron and Kawhi were to play now, I don't expect him bottling up LeBron to be holding him to like 15 points. It, it might be like, you know, 20, 25 now instead of LeBron's 30. Yeah, and that's a good point, Brent. Um, he, he He's not coming off the bench anymore. He's the face of the team. But with that, we're going to take a quick yes. break. You're listening to The Crew on WRCU-FM New Brunswick.